0: Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Praise the team. Well, good to be with you again today. Good to see everyone. Um, We are in week three of our series on spiritual gifts. The first week we talked about Jesus' idea of what the spiritual gifts are designed to do, and that is for us to serve. He defined greatness in the kingdom of God as being the greatest of servants. Uh, Last week we defined a spiritual gift as a God-given ability— that is, it's not a natural talent that we have, but it's something that God actually gives us, and we saw that each and every one of us has one of these gifts, that it is a God-given ability to perform supernatural ministry for Jesus Christ. That is, its purpose is so that we can do it for the glory of God, we can do this, we can execute on this spiritual gift for Jesus Christ. Today I want to talk about the first of these gifts that we're going to tackle um, that of missionary service and I'll explain one by one what each of these gifts are um, what it looks like how you and I can tell whether or not you've got it and how to begin using it again for the glory of God our scripture comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 if you have your Bibles you can flip over there 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we'll be reading verses 8 through 11 and verse 28 this is a comprehensive list of well, not comprehensive but a whole lot of the gifts are listed off here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 so let's stand and read together from God's word, First Corinthians chapter twelve, uh, Paul is listing off some of the spiritual gifts. Here we go, beginning at verse eight. It says, "For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit; to another faith by the same Spirit; to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit; to another the working of miracles; to another prophecy; to another the ability to distinguish between spirits." To another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verse 28 And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. You may be seated. All right, so uh, what we have here is a list of a bunch of the spiritual gifts. Um, in fact, there are 12 of them. We just read them, um, and I've got some of those listed on a slide here for you. You can see the 12 gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, faith, healing, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostleship, teaching, helps, and administration. And then Romans chapter 12, we looked at that in previous weeks. Romans chapter 12 adds five more gifts, and these are gifts of mercy, service, exhortation, giving, and leadership. And then when you flip over to Ephesians chapter 4, it adds two more gifts to this, this list, evangelism and the pastoral gift. So that by the time we're done, we add 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and Ephesians chapter 4 all together, and we've got 19 total gifts, That God gives to the church, and again, we said last week that each and every one of us, as a believer in Jesus Christ, has one of these gifts. Um, You say 19, though? That doesn't sound like a whole lot to go out and transform the world, to go out and share the good news of the gospel with all the world. God only gives 19 gifts. It seems like maybe he might want to have 119 gifts. Why just 19? Well, friends, remember that there are scores of ministries, varieties of ministries, that fall under each of these gifts. People or organizations like Jews for Jesus, organizations like the Billy Graham Crusades, Fellowship for Christian Athletes, Christian Campus Fellowship, the Salvation Army Homeless Shelter, all of these ministries, most of these ministries um, fall under the single gift of evangelism. In other words, all these are outworkings of the one gift of evangelism. They are subsets under the one gift of evangelism. Lots of people may have the same gift, but they will be called by God to use that particular gift, in this case evangelism, in a variety of different ways. For example, lots of people who have the gift of teaching um, will use that gift as Sunday school teachers, as home group leaders, as Bible study teachers. They may go on the radio, they may go on TV to use their gift of teaching, they may travel around to seminars around the country, they may uh, jump on YouTube and put videos on there, they may become college or, or Bible college professors or seminary professors using their gift of teaching. But again, all of those different varieties of ministries fall under the one gift of teaching. 19 spiritual gifts are plenty when you look at it that way. So just because you have a certain gift doesn't mean that you have to have a certain ministry. There are scores of ministries that fall under each and every one of these individual gifts. And therefore, our job is to figure out, well, which of these gifts do I have? And then how do I begin using that gift? Now, I want to start this morning with the gift of apostleship because it's the first gift that's listed here, that the first gift rather that was given to the church. It says there in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 28, it says, That God appointed in the church first, the first gift he gave, were apostles. And then it is confirmed over in the book of Acts chapter 1. Now, this will be the only gift that we're going to cover this morning. In subsequent weeks, we'll tackle three and four gifts in a single week. But today, um, we just want to um, deal with this particular gift of apostleship. Now, I have some pretty strong opinions, pretty strong views um, about this gift of apostleship as it relates to how it's being used in the world today. In the historically African-American churches across this country, um, the gift of apostleship has been understood to be something that is still a gift that is present and practiced today. That is, many African-American church leaders will refer to themselves as apostle so-and-so. And if you watch different preachers on TV, you may hear them have that kind of a title. And they go around claiming to be apostles. Friends, personally, I am totally opposed to this concept that there are apostles alive in the world today, and the reason for that being is that the Bible simply will not support it. Instead, the Bible teaches clearly that the apostles were a closed, closely knit, uh, closely guarded group of people who set the doctrinal teaching and the theological teaching upon which the church has been built. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20 says, that our faith is built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, that is, on their teaching and on their witness about the resurrected Jesus. They went out across the world, and they shared this good news about Jesus, and they talked about the fact that we have met the risen Christ. Um, And you can read about the very specific credentials that went along with being an apostle in the Bible. They had to be able to perform miracles. They had to have seen the resurrected Jesus, all that in Acts chapter 1. And it becomes very clear as you read through the book of Acts that this ministry of apostleship vanished from the church in the first century. That it merely when those when the first apostles died off, they were not replaced. And it's interesting that Jesus did not set up any sort of a replacement uh, um, strategy for the death of the apostles. There was nobody that was supposed to come in behind them. You don't read that anywhere in the New Testament because apostleship was never intended to be a continuing office, something that continues to operate today. In the church, like it did in the first century, the apostles had a job to do. They went and did their job. And when their job was done, the office disappeared as well. It's kind of like becoming a a delegate to the Constitutional Congress, right? Or the Constitutional Convention. That was the word I was searching for. The Constitutional Convention. If you go to the Constitutional Convention as a delegate, well, when you get done writing the Constitution, then you're done, right? Your office dissipates, it goes away. You don't get to continue to be a delegate to the Constitutional Convention because your work is finished. You wrote the Constitution, you're done with that, you go back home, and you're no longer a delegate. Um, so my point my, uh, here at the front end is that there are not New, New Testament apostles present in the church today. However, there are many theologians who believe, and I would agree with them, that there is a genuine spiritual gift of cross-cultural ministry service that existed, that was present, that the apostles practiced, and that is captured best in this idea of apostleship. Fox's Book of Martyrs and other early church historians tell us that every one of the apostles had cross-cultural ministry experience. This is what they went out to do. For example, Matthew went to Ethiopia and to Parthia. Andrew went to Asia. Peter, of course, went to Rome. They went to the ends of the gain. If you remember our series on the book of Revelation, they went to the ends of the earth. They went all over the globe, all over that part, that region of the globe, and they were sharing the good news about Jesus in northern Africa, out in uh, what's modern-day Pakistan and India. They were going up into, into Europe. They were going all over that part of the earth sharing the good news about Jesus. Bartholomew and Thomas went to India. Simon the Zealot went into Africa. John went into Asia Minor. And Paul, as you and I know, went everywhere, right? Then therefore, it seems reasonable to assume that every one of the apostles, along with many other gifts that they had, because they would have needed a lot of other gifts to be able to do the ministry that they were doing, had this gift of missionary service, of cross-cultural ministry. So in a primary sense, the gift of New Testament apostleship has disappeared from the earth, right? But in a secondary sense, the gift that they had in going out into other cultures, into cross-cultural settings, um, they had, they exercised that, we would call that pioneer missionary service now i think that there is a legitimate spiritual gift present in the church today of cross-cultural ministry service and i think this is a good place for us to assign it as good a place for us to assign it as any uh this idea of apostleship and you say gordon what is the missionary gift I and mean, what exactly is it that we're talking about here well, i got a slide for you and it defines it for us a missionary gift a spiritual gift of missionary service is the supernatural ability to do evangelism and discipleship and church planting cross-culturally. A missionary is a person who is a gifted spiritual, who is gifted supernaturally for sharing with people about Jesus in a cross-cultural setting. And the missionary gift never comes alone by itself. Again, they have the gift of help, they have the gift of administration, they have the gift of service, they have all these different gifts that they use um, in addition to being able to go and minister in cross-cultural settings. But that is, that's one of the primary things that allows them to be effective in those particular foreign settings. Um, and my point here is that not every Christian has this gift of missionary service. This is something that the apostles had, but it's not something that all the rest of the church and the New Testament had. Um, it was something the apostles shared. Lest we get confused, the missionary gift is not the same as the gift of tourism. Right? That's not what we're talking about. Uh, When we talk about the missionary gift, somebody that likes to go overseas, somebody that likes to go uh, see exotic places and do things and see places and be a part of cultures that are different than ours. Uh, Most of us love to go to places and see new things, but we like to do it in such a way that at the end of the day, we can go back to our nice hotel and sleep in our nice sheets and take a nice hot shower and eat an American hamburger, right? And that's, that's kind of what we're interested in. Um, that's our idea of being in a cross-cultural setting. You know, it's nice to go there. It was nice to see all that stuff. But at the end of the day, I want to go back to my get a little bit of Americana, right? That is not the missionary gift. The missionary gift is what guys like Hudson Taylor had. It's what guys like David Livingston, who walked across Africa, had. It's what uh, people like Nate Saint and Adoniram Judson had. It was a gift that enabled them to adjust to a radically new culture It was a gift that enabled them to develop a burning love and a passion for the people of that land, and it was a gift that enabled them to remain on the field in that foreign land despite hardship, despite illnesses, despite difficulties, despite tragedy, and to accomplish a lasting work for the kingdom of God in that foreign land. Now, I've heard this in my entire life in one way or another, that if you're not a missionary, that you settled for second best. Anybody ever heard that before? I, I, remember, I can remember hearing that growing up. I can remember hearing that when I went off to college, that if you're not a missionary, you've settled for second best. Friends, if anybody ever tells you that, you tell them, you tell them your pastor told you to tell them this, that they do not know their Bible. Because that is not what the Bible teaches here. Being a missionary is not an issue of taking second best versus first best. Rather, being a missionary is an issue of giftedness and a call from God to be working and serving in that foreign land. And if somebody has the giftedness to be a missionary and the call of God to go and serve abroad, then by all means, we as the church should encourage them to follow that call, to encourage them to use those gifts. Um, and that if they indeed have settled and said, no, I'm not going to go and do that, then they have settled for second best. But if somebody does not have the gift of being a missionary and is not called to be one, then we are doing them an incredible disservice by trying to get them overseas if that is not what God has called them to go and do. Don't let anybody ever tell you that if you're not a missionary that you've settled for second best until you are absolutely sure that God has called you and gifted you to serve in that particular way. And may I add that if you are married, and you are considering going overseas, and you're considering pursuing the call of God on your life to go and do that, and you have this gift of missionary service, that you better make sure that both you and your spouse have this gift of missionary service, because otherwise, it's going to be a really tough go, and things probably won't work out. You both need to make sure that you have this gift of missionary service. You say, well, how do I know whether or not I have this gift? In other words, what difference does any of this make to me, right? What difference does it make to my life? How do I know that I have this gift? How do I know that, that God has imparted this to me, the Holy Spirit has imparted this to me, and that I have this gift that I can go and be used to God for? Well, folks, listen, just because you have a heart for mission, just because you have a love for missions, does not mean that you have the missionary gift. Perhaps you have the gift of administration, And that the reason why God has given you the gift of administration or the gift of service is that God wants for you to go and serve on a missionary committee right here at home. And that's why God has put a heart for missions in you. And so that you can use your gift of administration, so that you can use your gift of service to go and help, uh, you know, what happens abroad. And that God wants you to use, or maybe it could be that you, that God's given you the gift of giving. That God wants for you to give generously to support missionaries and that's why you've got an interest in missions. But the missionary gift involves far more than just having a heart and a passion for people of foreign cultures. It involves a supernatural, transcultural ministry ability, and the best way to know whether or not you've got it is to go and test it out. Surprise, surprise, right? Um, To do what John Mark and Paul and Barnabas did. You know, the three of those guys launched out on a missionary journey together, and two of them found out they had the missionary gift. They had the gift of missionary service. One of them found out that he did not possess that gift. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Acts chapter 13 with me. Just one verse here we're going to be reading. John Mark has been traveling with Paul and with Barnabas on the first missionary journey. They've made their way to the island of Cyprus in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. This was Barnabas' home turf, actually. And they went to—I can't remember the name of the city. I think we're going to see it here in just a second— Paphos, there we go, which was the capital city of Cyprus. And they went and shared the gospel with Governor Festus. Nobody wants to confirm that, uh, but I think that's right. If you look in Acts 13, you'll see it. And they shared the gospel with this guy. There was a magician locally, and he was throwing Festus off. And so, did I get that right? Anybody want to confirm Festus? Nobody wants to go. There. All right, we need one of the, we need Ken Jennings. I don't know if any of y'all watched the Jeopardy thing this past week. Anyway, um, so. So uh, Paul and Barnabas share the gospel with this guy, and then they, they launch out from Cyprus up into the underbelly of Asia Minor. So they go to the, one of the port cities, Perga, a part of Pamphylia, it's a region there, um, John Mark, who wrote the gospel of Mark, um, Paul and Barnabas, they go up into Asia Minor. And so we learn what happens there, Acts chapter 13 and verse 13, it says, now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos, the capital city of Cyprus, and came to Perga in Pamphylia, watch now, and John Mark left them and went back to Jerusalem. Friends, John Mark didn't leave because he had found out somebody back home had died. He didn't leave because he had contracted some sort of a virus, some sort of an illness. He didn't leave because his commitments on the mission field were fulfilled. John Mark left because he was having a terrible time. That's why John Mark left. John Mark left because it wasn't working for him. John Mark left because he did not have the gift of missionary service, and he went out into the mission field, he got into a cross-cultural shedding, started sharing the gospel with people, and discovered, this is just not for me. I'm not gifted for this. When it comes, friends, to time to select, a, and so a little bit later on uh, in the Gospels, or or in in the book of Acts, there's this um, occasion in Acts chapter 15 where Paul and Barnabas have reported back after their first missionary journey to Jerusalem, and there's this big council in Jerusalem, the first council of the church, Uh, And John Mark happens to be there. And so when the meeting's over, Paul and Barnabas have a conversation about, hey, let's go do this again. Let's go out on a second missionary journey. And Barnabas grabs John Mark and says, hey, how about we take John Mark with us? And Paul goes, he isn't going to be on my team. I'm not taking him with me. That guy's not going anywhere near where it is that I'm heading to because I saw what happened the last time. He's not gifted for this. And so there's this big dispute that happens between Paul and Barnabas. The point is, not everybody is gifted for missionary service. The Holy Spirit hadn't given this gift to everybody. Now, years ago, there used to be a lot of casualties in this area uh, in the church from people who would go overseas thinking that they had the gift of missionary service, thinking that they were going to go minister cross-culturally, and they would commit themselves to missionary service for the rest of their lives. And before you know it, a year went by, two years went by, and they completely wash out. In fact, this happened a lot. But today, thanks to modern transportation, I thank God for increased vision and understanding in the church, and we don't see this happening as much. Because today, a person has the opportunity to go into cross-cultural settings and test it out. They have an opportunity to go on short-term mission trips for a week. They have an opportunity to get into cross-cultural settings pretty quickly, and they can return back home real quickly and decide whether or not this is something God has gifted them for. A short-term missionary trip is the best way, friends, that I know— To probe and find out if you truly have the missionary gift. And that's why this summer in July, Kenny's gonna be talking about it after church today. We are sending a group of people from our church to Romania because some of you, probably many of you, have been given this gift of missionary service. And another group later will be going, maybe to Clarkston, we'll see, where there are tens of thousands of refugees from around the world have been resettled in Clarkston, Georgia. And both of those opportunities will be an opportunity for us to get involved in a cross-cultural setting to test the waters to see if we have this gift. You say, well, if I have the gift, does that mean then that I have to go and be a missionary? No. Remember, we said that not only do you have the gift of missionary service, but there also needs to be a calling on your life to go and serve full-time missionary service perhaps if you have the gift but not the calling then you go serve on a lot of short-term mission trips or that you go and find cross-cultural opportunities right here in the Athens area you don't have to go overseas to go serve cross culturally I mean you probably could serve cross-culturally a mile from your house more than likely if you're living in this area now every person who has ever been on a mission trip will tell you that it didn't take very long to find out whether or not somebody had this gift, whether or not they were comfortable in ministering in cross-cultural settings. Years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Seoul, Korea, and I can tell you, within about five minutes of landing in Seoul, Korea, I do not have the gift of missionary service. (laughs) I wasn't interested in the food. I wasn't interested in the smells. I wasn't interested in the climate. I wasn't interested, I didn't find the people particularly fascinating. I did not have the gift of missionary service. I was ready to get back on that plane and head back to the States. Uh, But some in our group did. They loved it. They ate that thing up. I mean, the time just flew by. They loved the experience of being in that cross-cultural setting because God had gifted them supernaturally for service in cross-cultural ministry. The difference is that one group uh, is not more spiritual than the other, right? The difference is that God has gifted one group, ministry and cross-cultural setting and the other not. Again, I want for you to think about going to Romania. Some of you looked at your commitment cards and said, you know what? I'm gonna give that a shot this year. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen for your voice. I'm gonna take that step. And so we want you to jump in here and be a part of the informational meeting later on today and see if God has gifted you supernaturally for this kind of ministry. If so, it will be the most fulfilling Thing that you have ever done in your life to be operating within your God given giftedness. You know, folks, it is quite likely that many of us here, again, have this gift, and perhaps you don't even realize that you have this gift, that God has gifted you to serve cross culturally. And, friends, we as your church want to say that if you are gifted for missionary service, we want to make sure to help create pathways for you to use your gift to use it as often as possible, to use it as effectively as possible. As your church, we want to help that, help in that effort. And perhaps, not only do you have the gift, but perhaps you have a calling on your life that God is placing there to go and serve cross cross-culturally in a full-time capacity. And again, we want to help you discover that as well. So either way, we want to stand behind you. We want you to know what you have and to be able to use what you have for the glory of God. Some of you have got the gift and you need to be praying, God, if that's me, then maybe I ought to go and test it out like Gordon said and find out for sure. Well, I've got more gifts for you next week, right? We're not uh, we're done this morning, but every one of these gifts, folks, I'm going to be giving you ways to put it into practice and I'll be challenging you each week to figure out what gifts you have and how you can use it to serve the Lord. Because by the time we're done, here's what I would love to see in our church. I would love to see each and every single one of us having some idea of what our gifts are and a willingness to go and put them to use right here at Hebron Christian Church. Let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we open ourselves to you for your inspection, for your insight. Lord, you have equipped us to do the work of the ministry. And Lord, when we're operating within our spiritual giftedness, we don't have to force things to happen. It'll just happen because we're being obedient to what you have placed inside of us. Lord, we just invite you now, even in these quiet moments, to open our hearts, to open our minds, how you have uniquely designed each and every one of us to be used by you. Lord, we thank you for your broken body, for your shed blood. We thank you for the fact that you gave your all so that we might spend eternity with you and live lives fulfilled here in the days we have on this earth. Holy Spirit, speak to us in these quiet moments, we pray. In Christ's holy name, amen. You know, I've come up here to the front many times personally and have knelt, and the Lord has never let me down by going to my knees. If you have a prayer need in your life today, you just want to bring before the Lord, we invite you to do that. Let's stand and sing our closing song together.
1: one for you have never failed me yet your promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet I know the night won't last your word will come to pass my heart will sing your praise again Jesus you're still enough keep me with My heart will sing your praises.